It just blesses my heart to see not only the children, but those that are serving. I see some of your faces here. Thank you so much for investing into these children. And thank, thank, yeah, amen. Thank the congregation for uh, investing your monetary blessings so that we could launch this program and, and we'll keep it going. And, you know, right now they're ministering to around 7 to 11, maybe 12 kids a week. Um, but that will increase as people hear about what's going on here. And Nanette Soleil, we just thank you so much for you and your team. Yeah. So about a month ago, I sat in the Connect class, which my wife Shauna teaches, and it's a class where people, uh, especially new people that are, that are, you know, coming to the church, they want to find out more about LWC. You like what you see, you like what you, what you experience here, uh, and so you go to this Connect class to, to find the mission the vision and the core values of Living Word Chapel. And uh, if you haven't been to the class, I strongly recommend that you get signed up for the next class uh, because it will really help you to at least get a clear view of what Living Word Chapel is all about. And um, something was said in that class a month ago that uh, I, I will never forget. Uh, it... Uh, it was said by one of the ladies in the class, and then it was echoed by another one of the ladies. And what this first lady said was this, I'm a better person when I'm in church than when I am not in church. I'm a better person when I'm in church than when I am not in church. And so I pondered that statement. And here's what I got out of it. This lady understood from experience that being a part of a community of believers where Jesus is the focal point was beneficial for her life and it was even beneficial for her behavior. How many of you in here have noticed when you connected to church and especially connected to Jesus that your life begins to change for the good? And for the glory of God. So, so you may be here today. You may be watching online and, and, and you're, you know, kind of contemplating uh, your life and where you're at right now. And, and maybe some of your life choices have put you in a place where uh, you feel in need of something else. That, that was what happened to me when I came to Christ. I remember saying, there has to be more to life than this. And I know that you guys in this service have never said that, but second service, they, they've all said it. No, all of us, at one time or another, we've said those very words. There's got to be more to life than this, because what you find in life is that you can reach your, your greatest potentials. You can you know, reach the highest mountains, the, you know, the things that you really want to do. And when you get to those places, you find that, there's still something missing without God in your life. And so that's what that statement meant to me. I'm a better person. I'm, 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 my better me is experienced when I'm connected to the local church. And let me say this to you uh, as I preface this message. Church attendance 
doesn't save us. You're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. But when you have a local church that you call home and you attend regularly, it has the power to transform your life for good and for the glory of God. And so I want us to go this Sunday to a passage of Scripture where the church was birthed. It was the day of Pentecost, and Jesus had instructed his disciples after he ascended to the Father, he said, I want you to go and I want you to start to pray. And they prayed and they waited for the promise. The promise would be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is the third person of the Godhead. The Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Goes over our head. But Jesus explains that to us in Scripture. And what you find is that they went and they obeyed Jesus. They, they went into prayer. And I think that's important for everybody. When you begin to seek God, you start to pray to God. Even if you don't know God, you know, you look up in the heavens and you say, God, if you're real, show me. And what he will do is show you. Amen? It's funny that we start talking to God whenever we are looking for God. But these believers, there was 120 of them. Uh, they, they were together, and, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. He empowered them, and they began to speak in other languages that they did not know. And when they were speaking in these other tongues, they were glorifying God in the languages of the people that were in that area. And so everyone was puzzled, but God was doing his work. And then Peter, who had... Days before, days prior, he had denied Jesus. Now he stood up in front of thousands of people and proclaimed Jesus. Very, very confidently and very powerfully to the point that 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus on that day. And the church was birthed, okay? And when it was birthed, then uh, we, we're going to go to a place where it tells us what did the church look like? What did the first church look like? Because it's a model for us in how we're supposed to do church. We want to do church the way the first church did church. Amen? And we find it in the scriptures. So we're going to go to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, go there. And we're going to look at, and if you don't, we're going to have it on the screen. We're going to have it in your handouts. Uh, we're going to go to verse 42. Because the, 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 the multitude of people that came to Christ, they're gonna, their names are going to change from the people were in the mist to believers were in the mist, okay? And this is what we find in verse 42. All the believers, notice it doesn't say some of the believers, all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the apostles' teaching is what we find in the Bible in the New Testament, okay? They were teaching Christ. They were teaching the gospel. And to fellowship. The word there is koinonia. It's a Greek word. It means together. It means belonging to each other. And to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
So right away you find five essentials that should be happening in every church that calls themselves Christ followers. Number one, there should be the, the apostles' teaching. We should devote ourselves to what? The scriptures. You really don't come to hear me. You come to hear the word of God. Because if you're coming to hear me, I'm telling you right now that you're not going to get very far. But if you hear the word of God, you're going to make it into eternity. So the apostles' teaching was central. They, the other thing that was central, fellowship was central. Sharing in meals was central. So they, they had small groups. They got together in, in places. Uh, they had the Lord's Supper. That was central. And then they prayed. The church should be a place of prayer. Amen? And then verse 43, a, de a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many mir miraculous signs and wonders, and that should be happening in every church because God's in this place, and so God's going to do great things, and he may use people to, to pray. He may use people to, to lay hands on you. He may use people to, to give a word to you, but it's all God that does it. Amen? Someone was telling me before the service started, you know, I, I invited this person to go to the men's retreat, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I, do you think it can happen? I said, well, let me see. If God split the Red Sea, then it's possible. Let me, tell you why, let me tell you why men have a hard time going to men's events where they seek God together. Let me tell you why. Because the devil will do everything he can to keep you from going there. Because when you go there, hear me now, when you go there, you're going to experience God. When you experience God, your life is going to be different. When your life is different, people around you are going to see the difference. And so here's what I tell men right now. All of us together, we're better together. Now, if you have an anniversary that week, because I know there's some of you have an anniversary and you're celebrating that, then you better do that, okay? This one, this one time. <clears throat> but the reality is God wants for men to come together. Okay, so that's, that's not even a part of my message, but I threw it in there. Verse 44, and all the believers, they met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and, and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple. Each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, all the while they were praising God and enjoying the favor or the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their number or their fellowship those who were being saved. Now that's important for us to know that a pastor does not add people to the church. God does. An evangelist doesn't add people to the church. God does. You know, the great evangelist, Billy Graham. Anyone heard of Billy Graham? Millions of people came to Jesus through the preaching of Billy Graham. But it wasn't Billy Graham who brought people to Jesus. It was Jesus who brought people to Jesus. And so I want to give you guys and gals an acronym. Great. But I'm going to give you from that acronym five reasons that the church is great. Okay, five reasons the church is great. Here's the G. The church is great because of the gospel. And the gospel simply means good news. If you're tired of fake news, go to church. 
If you're tired of half news, halfway, half truth, go to church. You'll hear the whole truth if they're preaching out of the word. If, you, if you're tired of, of, of sad news and, and just real depressing news, you'll find good news at the church. Amen? And I, I say this over and over so you don't forget. When, when you come to church, you should leave with hope. You might come into the church building hopeless, and you'll leave with Jesus giving you hope. For your life, you'll also leave with forgiveness offered to you for all the things that you've done wrong throughout the week and all the things you've done wrong throughout your life. You can find the forgiveness of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to forgive sinners in which I am the first and foremost of all sinners, as the Apostle Paul said. I am am the sinner. I am the one that needs forgiveness. This guy who stands up here speaking to you, I need the forgiveness of God, so I need good news. And you find that in Jesus Christ. You also find conviction that leads you to change for the glory of God. Not condemnation, but conviction that brings remorse that says, I'm sorry for the way that I have lived my life. I'm going to repent. I am going to turn and go toward God instead of walking away from God or running away from God. The gospel teaches us that that we're not afraid to share the whole counsel of God. And the whole counsel of God speaks into our marriages, uh, speaks to those who aren't married. It it, it speaks to us when we're wayward. It, it It just speaks into our lives because God wants the best for you and for me. And he, he, he's, he wants to, for you to hear that this best for you always comes with good news. So it doesn't matter what you've done or you haven't done. Jesus came for you. He died for your sins. He came to restore your life. And the gospel is the primary and most important reason that the church is great. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek, also to the Gentile, also for every Mexican, also for every Italian, also for every person, every person from, from, from Poland. I don't care where you're from. We need Jesus because we all fall short of the glory of God. And the gospel is God-centered. And without God in a church, the church just becomes another club. It it just becomes another coffee shop. It just becomes another building. It just becomes another organization. And Jesus Christ did not come to the earth to build clubs. He didn't come to the the earth to, to build buildings or organizations. He came to save and restore and build people. In, In Matthew 16, verse 18, he said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
Every power of death will not conquer what Jesus Christ came to build. He didn't come to build a building, a club, an organization. He came to build people, and that's what the ecclesia of God is. The ecclesia, where we get the word iglesia, I say this all the time, are the ones that have been called out of the world for a cause. And the cause is that we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Because he came to save that which was lost. And give you peace that you've never, ever experienced. Because it's not your peace. It's a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He came to give you joy that's not manipulated. It's a joy that comes straight from God. And so when we begin to walk in that, we, we begin to understand that it's all found right here in the apostles' teaching. That's why they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Because in the church, we hear the word of God. Or we should in the church, we prioritize the word of God. In the church, uh, we find that we're transformed by the word of God. We did a wedding yesterday. And in that wedding, they talked about how that series of marriage just spoke to their, to their lives. I, I've been hearing from so many people how, how the, the, that marriage series spoke to their life. And we ended that marriage series with, with a, a, a subject of sexual intimacy. And I had young people, young married couples that came to me in, in, in the Kearney campus. And one young lady said, that was so tactful and so respectful. And I learned so much from God's word. Can I tell you something? The word of God is for us to guide our lives, to change our lives. In fact, this is what, the, this is what Paul wrote to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the commission of the church is to reach you, to teach you, to reproof you, to, to bring necessary correction and to train you. Because you're hearing God when you hear his word. It, it, it brings the, the, the truth of what God is and, and, and what he wants for every human so that we can walk in this wonderful, wonderful new creation relationship that we have with our Savior. Here's what the R stands for. Relationships. The church is where you can find Christ-centered relationships. Not perfect people. Have you noticed that? There are no perfect people in the church. There's only one who's perfect. His name is Jesus. The Christ. But there are people who are like-minded and they are on the same voyage that you're on. The perfect one is directing the ship. What ship? Fellowship. The believers devoted themselves to fellowship. When you think about life, it's a, it's, we're on a voyage with twists and turns. There's smooth sailing and sometimes not so smooth. I need God to direct my ship. I need God's people in my life. I understand that it's not good for a man to be alone. 
He has helpers, right? He brought my wife into my life, but my wife is a part of what God wants for me. He wants me to have men of integrity in my life. Men that will call me on the carpet when I need to be called and also encourage me when I'm going through a very difficult time. And how many of you have had a difficult time in the past year? How many of you tried to navigate through difficulty and you've noticed that you can't do it alone? That you need the right people in your life to help you, to strengthen you, to let you, um, to move you in the right direction. In fact, that's what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. He says in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, it's interesting to me that in the first century, they were living their life thinking Jesus could come today. Can I tell you how I live my life? I live my life in that same manner. I believe that Jesus could come today. I want to be ready. I don't want to neglect coming together because, can I tell you something? God loves you as much as he loves me. And we're better together. When, when, when someone is struggling and they're going through, through something, guess what we do? We band together and we pray for each other. When someone is, is going through a mountaintop experience, we celebrate with you. We go, woo that's awesome. But we, 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 we make it a priority to motivate one another to do the right thing. To, to spur one another, to encourage one another, and lead each other to do the right thing. Hey, we're, we're doing this after-school program. Guess what? We have many people that got on board the after-school program. Hey, we're doing this coffee house. We have many people that, that, that got on board to this coffee house. Hey, we're having real men in and, and Route 66 where women go through the books of the Bible. We have women that connect, and, and they come together, and, and they get, they're better together in the Word. We have real men that, that we, we, we meet together on Thursdays. And I'm, I'm telling you something. There's a, there's a bond that happens when we come together. Do not let the devil isolate you. Do not let the devil separate you. Don't ever think for one second that you can do this life with God without people in your life. The right people in your life. Because that's where the enemy will get you. The E in great stands for experience. Experience what, pastor? Experience the life-changing, transforming work of Jesus Christ. Look what it says. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And I'll tell you this right now. We don't chase miracles, but let me tell you something. If God is in our midst, miracles happen. Amen. I don't chase miracles I chase a miracle maker. But when I chase a miracle maker, great things happen. And every year we, we, we band together and God has done something for the, for the past five, six, seven years in the, in the life of Living Word Chapel. Miraculously, he stirred our hearts. And we go out and we serve our city. First of November, we're going to be going out to different places in our communities, whether it's Hayden, Kearney, Samuel, Oracle. Catalina, wherever God leads us, and we serve our city because we experience the goodness of God and we want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. 
so that people can also experience how good God is. And, and I, want, I, I want you to hold on to something. This is something I want you to take away with you. We don't go to a church service. We go to a worship experience. Don't ever tell someone, I'm going to a service. No, you, you go serve the military to go to service. And that's a wonderful thing too. But when you come to church, when you come to the gathering of people, you need to know that God's going to be here to meet you. And you're going to experience the goodness of God. You're going to experience the presence of God because we are standing on holy ground. And the reason that it's holy is not because of this building. It's not because of the concrete. It's not because of the carpet. It's because Jesus Christ is here. And he's here in the hearts of his people. He's here in the souls of his people. And great things happen whenever we serve God. I, 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 thought, about, I thought about this. Experience what God does in people. I thought about the Kearney campus and when I walked in the doors of that church when they asked if we would partner with them and we merged, I'll never forget this. I walked in the doors and I said to them, I said, we need to flip this church. They were like, huh? What are you talking about, pastor? What are you talking about? We need to flip the church. I said, the bathrooms are behind the, behind the platform. The people can go to the bathroom. They got to get up and go over here. And not only are you watching them, but I'm watching them as they go to the bathroom. I said, we got to put the platform on the other side. Oh, okay. And then we, I said, we need to add a, we, see that part where you got three classes that you're storing chairs? We need to have that open. Maybe put a coffee house there. They're like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> that dates me. And they... They, they had kind of a, a, a look of, of not awe, but like, what are you talking about? And when, by the grace of God, we did everything that I just said. Now, there's so much excitement there. Now, now I want you to follow me where I'm going with this. If a man or a, or a, or an, a leadership can see the potential in a building... And bring that potential out where people are amazed. What can God see the potential in a person and in a human soul? And think about it, what God can do in your life. Where, where, where someone might see uh, someone that's addicted, God sees someone who's set free. Where, where someone might see someone that is a habitual, uh, a liar, God sees someone that will walk in the truth and will change their, their circle of influence for the glory of God. Where, where someone sees someone that has not been able to accomplish and finish anything, God says, I, I see something in you that not only are you going to finish, but you're going to finish the race. You're going to finish the course, and you're going to glorify me in the process. Let me tell you something, beloved. There's a potential in every person that's been given by God himself, and you can only have it through Jesus Christ. There's an experience in every person that only God can draw out. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He said, no eye has seen. No ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You see, for a Christian, it only gets better. 
For those that follow Jesus, it only gets better. My best time on earth will be the worst time in heaven. When someone says, it doesn't get any better than this, oh, you're, you're really, you don't know God. It only gets better. And here's what I want you to know, beloved. Child of God, you need to know this. That with God, you can experience things getting better all the time. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I just got, I prayed with someone just before the service. I just got diagnosed with cancer. I just, I'm, I'm going through this ailment. Let me tell you something. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The potential of God is bigger than what you could ever imagine. We trust the great physician, Jesus Christ. He might place a doctor in your life. He might place, uh, you know, someone in the medical field. But let me tell you that the one you're going to trust through it all will be Jesus. The A in great stands for acknowledge. And the church acknowledges her need and dependency on God. That's why the apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether I am abounding or abasing, I can do whatever is before me. That's why Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It teaches us to acknowledge that if God is first in your life through Jesus Everything else that matters will be added, and the things that don't matter will be taken away. Are you with me? Seek first his kingdom. Acknowledge that you need God. The believers devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, how many, how many of you look forward to, to communion, to having communion together? How many of you understand that it is very important when we come together as a church and celebrate the Lord's Supper? This is how important it is. It's the last thing that Jesus did with his disciples before he went to the cross. And this is what Jesus said to them. And the apostle Paul recorded these words. Paul said this to the Corinthians in chapter 11 of, of, of 1 Corinthians. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of the wine. Uh, and after supper, saying the cup, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing, I would even put acknowledging the Lord's death until he comes again. And this is important, beloved. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, not only are we saying he died for us, but we're also saying he lives for us. Not only are we saying he's alive, we're saying he's coming back. He's coming back for his people. They also devoted themselves. They also acknowledge their need for prayer. Every person in here, you're an answer to prayer. Every person that's sitting here, someone prayed for you, and God heard their prayers. 
And every person that right now that's going to say yes to Jesus, every person that's going to say, I'm coming back, I'm going to give my life to Christ, every person is going to do that today, not only here but online. You are an answer to someone's prayer. Because I'll tell you right now that this vato right here, this guy that you call pastor, this guy that you call minister, this guy that, that doesn't even deserve to be standing on this platform, I remember my neighbors next door when we were throwing parties all night long that they were not only praying for me, but they were praying that I would stop so they could get some sleep. <laughs> so God said, okay, not only am I going to answer your prayer, but he's going to be speaking to you one of these Sundays. That is the power of Jesus. We acknowledge we need him on a daily basis. Here, here's the last thing that I'm going to say. The T. The T stands for together. The church is great because we do things together. They worship together. Together they met in homes. Together they shared meals with great joy. Together they shared generosity. We have a couple in here during this service. I'm not going to bring them, say who it is, but they're going to India this year. God is sending them to India to go and minister. And together, we were able to give them a very nice monetary blessing for their, for their mission trip. Together. Because we understand that when they go, we go. We, we, we understand together that when one person comes to Jesus, it's because not one person, it's because of us together. We understand the importance of sharing meals together. Let me tell you something. We need to eat together. Families need to eat together because then they'll stay together. Are you with me? There's so much importance of, of togetherness. And then, and then the last thing, they, they reached people together with the help of God. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved or to their number those that were being saved, beloved. But I want you to notice the context. That comes right at the end of them doing everything together. When we do things collectively, intentionally, Together, God says, I notice what you're doing. I'm going to bring people in because they need Jesus and they need a community of faith like this. Are you with me? They've got division in the world. That's why we say leave your political affiliation outside the doors. Leave your social class outside the doors. Leave your ethnicity outside the doors. I'm going like this. Bring Jesus in the doors. Together, we're one. We're the body of Christ. Together, we will reach more people for the glory of God than we will ever do by ourselves. And there's someone in here. I distill it in my spirit. The Lord is stirring your heart, and he's drawing you to his love and to his grace. And I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I want you to pray this with me because he's already, he's prepared your heart. Even before you came here, he's prepared your heart. 
for you to connect with Jesus Christ. For your whole life to be transformed. For your sins to be forgiven. For you to have a new start. For you to be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit. And for you to live a life that's going to bring glory to him. Pray this prayer with me. It's just simple. It says, God, I need, I need you in my life. Just say that to him. God, I need you in my life. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to live my life without you. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I am turning from my sin. I am placing my faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world who died for my sins on the cross at Calvary. I I believe he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. I'm going to repeat that because some of you are saying this today. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today, and I choose to follow him from this day forward in the fellowship of his church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want everybody to keep your heads bowed because... I believe that God's doing work on every individual today. But if you prayed that prayer, because this is, this is between you and God, I just want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. And for those of you, those of you that are online, this is your time with God as well. And you just say, Jesus, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. You can look at me real quick. Isn't God good? Welcome back to church. God has such a wonderful plan for each one of you. And aren't you glad that we've been in the house of God together? Amen. Let's stand up and worship our King.